hail our fair Riverdale. Register. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Riverdale Register. It is like we were just here. Yes. My name is Caitlin. My name is John. And welcome to the Riverdale Register. John, wow, it's been so long. Yeah. Two whole days. Oh, my gosh. How is your voice? It is so you, much better. Are you still, I see you're not a little horse anymore. I'm no, I'm, I'm not. I'm a bigger horse. I've grown into yeah, my. You got off the ghost hooves. train. I did. <laughs> I did. Man, that makes about as much sense as what's happening on Riverdale this week. I'm so excited. I thought it was a pretty good one, actually. I, I love the episode. Don't get me wrong. There were things, many things that I liked about it. Um, but I just, one of our listeners pointed something out to me that John had already noticed. And now it's the only thing I can think about, and it involves a ventriloquism dummy. So we'll get there. What do we? What do we do now? What do you do now? What do I do now? I talked about the title of the episode, John. Ooh, there's one thing before that. You just kind of did it, but I I'd love you to do it differently. It. Okay, I'll do it differently. I talk. I bring up the audience. The audience. <laughs> Why we do everything for you guys? I'm sorry, guys. I'm vamping. I have several good, funny things that people have said. This one I think is funny. This is. Not so much a question as it is a statement, but I do want your answer on it. I believe this person's name is Ula. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She asked, why does Frank still live in Archie's house? And why is he in Riverdale if not to take care of Archie? Like he had a life. <laughs> Where was he before? This. Yes. And like, does nobody miss him? Right. It was like, Archie was like, hey. You, you can stay because you were my dad's brother. And he's right. Like, Thanks, son. That means a lot to me. And I was like, what's wrong with you, Archie? And like pushing him around. Yeah, and... exactly. And now he won't leave, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he's still... Because he, we know he doesn't live with Alice. Because that was going to be my first thought. Maybe he's living with Alice. Right, because that relationship didn't happen in the real world. I guess not. I think that she really wanted to hook up. Oh, no, that was also in Rivervale. Well, huh. so like, you know, the last season finale, mm -hmm. they're flirting and you're like, could something happen? Right. And then Riverdale Vale happens, and they're a thing in River Vale. <laughs> right. And then Riverdale comes back, and they never talk again. Right. Right. I guess they. I guess they spend time together on the council, but they're not like dating. You know. Uh, you know, unclear. Those council meetings are always the <laughs> right. most stressful, dramatic nights of any of their weeks. <laughs> right. Maybe. Maybe they're just like, I don't even. It doesn't seem look, like but... anyone. Is, it seems like those end, and everyone just leaves silently. I think, yeah, maybe. Maybe there's no uh, no hope for, for Alice, I guess. Ooh. Look, that's the best we're going to do, okay? Yeah. But yeah, I think maybe he lives in the garage now. Cause no, I, I like the idea that he came through in the previous seasons. I was like, cannot live anywhere. Yeah. And Jughead was like, oh, I don't have a room. Take a room. <laughs> I live in the garage. He's like, okay, all good. Frank feels like the character they needed the least. Like, I have nothing against this actor, but, like, I never really understood why he showed up the way he did. Yeah. I think, I think there was a, I think there was a point where Archie was still a high schooler and they, they weren't going to get, um. Mary. They weren't going to get Mary around full time. And so symbolically they needed someone to kind of be a Fred Andrews who Archie could kind of resolve whatever his feelings are with yeah or like connect to his father through so a father figure type character who's also the his dad's brother who his dad let down his his nikki his if you nikki. his nikki pearson his, if you will his uncle to, to archie's uh kevin pearson oh uh, uh, sounds like a good idea yeah 
Um, you know, we never we never do the work that Kevin and Nikki Pearson do. Right. On This Is Us, uh, Archie and him, you know, just fight ultramarines together. Um, I forgot my phone. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it, it's neither he nor Alice are being uh, spoken to this season on the the basis of their their um, collaboration with Percival. They're just kind of being talked to about other stuff. Yeah. Frank a little bit more directly now, especially last episode. But Alice has just been like, oh, no, no, we're talking about other issues. Yes, I'm evil and working for Percival, but we have our own issues inside this house. Well, this episode was, I might try to murder my child. Or, yeah, mercy mercy kill my child. Yeah. You know, she's busy. She's got a lot on her mind. I feel like Alice wouldn't do this canonically, by the way. Kill uh, kill Charles. Oh, is Alice acting out of character? Yeah, just just a thought. <clears throat> Again, we'll get there. Should I talk about the title of the episode? I think that's the that's the great next place to go. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So the title of this episode, John, is Blue Collar, and it is based on a 1978 American crime drama film, according to Wikipedia. That's how they phrase it. And it is a crime drama about uh, two people who work in like an auto factory, a car factory, a factory that makes cars. There's unions and stuff. And it's a crime drama, and I don't want to spoil it for you guys, so. So you're reading this on the spot off Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah, I am. There is a lot of plot, guys. Who directs it? Okay. Who's in it? Paul Schrader. When did it come out? It came out in 1978, John. Okay. I said it was a 1978 American crime drama film. Directed by Paul Schrader, which it was his directorial debut. I don't know that guy. So he directed Taxi Driver, or no, I'm sorry, he wrote... Taxi Driver, um, which is a great film. Someone else directed Taxi Driver. Someone, Martin Scorsese directed Taxi <laughs> that guy. Driver. That guy. He actually, he works a lot with Martin Scorsese. He wrote Raging Bull, Last Temptation of Christ, and Bringing Out the Dead. A crime drama about factory workers makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And also it stars Richard Pryor and Harvey Keitel. Wow. That's yeah. actually pretty cool. I guess I understand why it's the title for the episode. It would have been a more appropriate title for the episode if they did a crime against Percival. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The little stinker. They are. They are. What did we were talking earlier about? Where the definition of blue collar comes from? Like the idea mm-hmm. of why? Why were they called blue collar? The the it kind of is a little bit obvious, but basically, a white collar worker is somebody who works in an office, wears you know a white shirt. No, I'm serious. That's really what it is. I I know. <laughs> so, but. A blue collar worker is somebody who would wear, um, like truly, like a different colored shirt. Truly, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Not yes, just- what I'm seeing is that in the 20s, the image for most people of manual workers or mm-hmm. labor with hands was that they would wear blue denim or chambray shirts as part of their uniforms. Right. Well, you can kind of imagine like a plumber or something like that, or an auto worker, for example. Right. But, they, but the uniforms were, at the time, largely blue. I made, the, I joked to you that there were only two colors in that time. But it but turns out. kind of, yeah, uh, at that point in time. It's weird, though, because everything in that time period was black and white. <laughs> and the color wasn't invented until much later, so I don't really know how that You ever works. see the memes that's like, what Stranger Things shows the 80s look like? And it's like yeah. all these colors and like what the 80s actually look like is just brown. Yep, yep. Stranger Things have not watched that season. Don't, oh, dude. Is it good? Yeah. I, I kind of haven't watched it since like season two. That's the weakest season. Okay, maybe that's why. Season three is like a big old summer blockbuster. And four... I'm really pissed they didn't release it all at once. 
Okay. I get really mad when Netflix does that because they they kind of chose their lot and right. now they're just changing the deal so that they can get more ratings because they know their system is, is, is bad, it's flawed. Do you think, <clears throat> I thought it was because maybe they weren't finished filming. Oh no, it's been done. Oh, interesting. It's been done for a while. It was like a whole huh. like, which day does it come out? And mm. when does this move around or other shows that were coming out? And then I think they are at this point pretty aware that Disney builds a much stronger word of mouth over yeah. weeks on their shows than any Netflix show will ever do. They should just and do so weekly. now they. I mean, I would revolt. Uh, you would. Well, they they did the thing that they came out of the gate with. We're changing the game. This is how we release content. Yeah. And now they're like, just kidding. Now we do like have sometimes, and it's like that's more annoying. I guess weekly wouldn't piss me off as much as releasing seven episodes of Stranger Things now, holding on to two episodes of Stranger Things until the 1st of July. Wait, just two? Just, okay, now, yeah, I know what you're thinking. That's two hours of content. It's not. It's four hours of content. That's so weird. The season finale of Stranger Things is going to be two and a half hours long. Why? It is as long as movies. As long as a movie that, honestly, I'd be like, that's kind of too long of a movie. And yet... Every episode in season four is like 70 minutes or longer. Okay. I'm having a great time. 70 minutes for a I'm show like happy. that is fine, but two and a half hours. I feel hours. like each one's a complete meal, whereas okay. a lot of other streaming shows, an episode will feel like. It's so long. No, it'll feel like, oh, we barely put anything and now you got to watch the next one. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe I'll give it a chance. It's more like horror based than sci-fi this season. That's what I've been reading. Oh, it's very horror. Yeah, but it's always been... Horror, you know? Yeah, I guess more um, more horror, like demons, as opposed to like... Four is definitely like a um, the show growing up in a certain way, mm-hmm. where like the main characters are all teenagers or older now, so they don't have to treat anyone with kids' gloves. Literally. And it's a little bit m- more intense, bloodier. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I had no plans to watch it, but now I might, so... <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. This episode was written by James DeWille and Arabella Anderson, Arabella. two very familiar names. James previously wrote episode 101, Unbelievable. Oh, not Unbreakable, though. No, not, not Unbreakable. Not Unbreakable. Uh, and The Night Gallery. Oh, that was when Cheryl had a night gallery. That's right, that's right. Love it. <clears throat> and Killing Mr. Honey. Love it. Oh, right. that was a good episode. Remember, James is also one who's directed a couple episodes. He did not direct this episode. This episode was also written by Arabella Anderson, who previously wrote The Witching Hours. That was the one where Cheryl had her witching hours. Do you remember, actually? No, I know. That one was with uh, Abigail and the three timelines, and you yeah, realize that yeah, Abigail... Sabrina's in it. Yes. Uh, wrote Lock and Key. That one I don't remember. I don't remember that one either. Chapter 84, Lock and Key. A big announcement forces everyone to take stock of their current lives. Cheryl sets a risky plan in motion after learning some surprising news about Tony. Jughead tries to make sense of a strange encounter he had. Very specific. I have no idea. These these descriptions are so great because we could probably list, like, if we actually had to think about it, list, like, five episodes. Man, the art of episode descriptions is wild, Oh, yeah. Because, like, you kind of get to write your own. And for a show like Riverdale, they're like, well, we can't, can't give away any secrets of what's coming. And right. so it just becomes these like things like something happens to someone, another <laughs> character goes to a place. Right. And meanwhile, 
things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> Riverdale has a lot of interchangeable ones, I imagine. It's just kind of a mad lib. Fill, in it, fill it in as you need to. Uh, this episode was directed by Tara Defoe. It is her second directing credit because she is usually the script supervisor on Riverdale. Oh, cool. There are a bunch of plot lines this week. There are six. Okay. We have, let's make a union. Okay. The, the, the Malleus Maleficarum. Wow, that is a mouthful. But how can this enrich me? <laughs> Murder, not even once. Like an episode of Mari. Huh. And the last one is, bring the beanie unto me. Okay, let's, let's start with the union one because I have a lot more to say about the other plots. Okay, let's make a union. They've got all the railroad building equipment at Percival's site in Sketch Alley. But apparently now the workers have to rent their equipment from Percival, who's paying less than he said he would because of fluctuations in the marketplace. I hate him. He is the worst man for so many reasons. He He's not only like evil magic, he's just like, he's worse. He's a worse capitalist than Hiram was when you think about it. Yeah. Huh. It's fucked. Well, Hiram was never a capitalist. After all, he was a gangster. <laughs> right, actually. Well, yes, that's, that's true. Yeah, there was a um, there was a recent episode of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver talking about the trucking industry. Okay. And how a lot of truck drivers have to uh, rent their own trucks and then pay for all of the fixes that have to happen on the truck. Huh, that seems... And it's kind of happening like this. Makes me wonder if someone watched John Oliver before. But no, wait, the timing doesn't work out because they had to have filmed this longer ago. I don't know when that John Oliver episode would happen. How would you not know? Why aren't you? Why am I not Why don't you have this information well, for me? You right said now? it was last week tonight, so I guess. It was, <laughs> so that's really. When not, did it happen? When did it <laughs> Very confusing. In the film industry, there's something called a kit rental. Yes, that was a big thing during <clears throat> COVID. Right. If you bring your own supplies to whatever your job is, you get paid for it. They're essentially rent- renting those supplies from you. Camera, your microphone. Uh, in my case, my car. Oh wow! So you get a kit rental for your car? Yeah, that's cool. Mm. Can I ask how much it is? Yeah, it's like a hundred, hundred fifty, I think. A week? Yeah. Oh, that's actually pretty good. It's okay. I got better with mileage. Yeah. I don't do mileage anymore because oh. they're like, you're not going anywhere, right? You shouldn't be. Mm, fine. Just to Santa Clarita every day. <laughs> fine. <laughs> so, ghost train. Ghost train. Can Archie? win the crew back over so they don't build the railway for the ghost train. A lot of them haven't worked in months, and Percival is breaking all of his promises uh, with, we think, the intention to break their spirits. Ah, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. It's not almost like he's a bad guy. Bad working conditions. Yeah. It's almost like building a ghost <clears throat> train might come with some evil stuff attached to yeah, it. Economic anxiety is rife in this town. Yeah. Yeah. If the ghost train is the only source of employment, it is not going well. Got it. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Imagine people being like, yeah, I know it's a ghost train, but I got to put food on the table. Yeah. It's kind of Fangs' perspective. It's literally Fangs' perspective. Archie wants to do some agitating. Cool. And get a union vote rolling. So Tabitha says, since Percival isn't even giving out coffee for free, and you just go over there with a the truck and hand out coffee and see what happens. <laughs> I kind of ship Tabitha and Archie now. Is that weird? Well, I just like, they're a pretty good team as a yeah. professional pair. I kind of feel Tabitha like... has been incredibly focused all season. It's great. She has, and I feel like they both want the same thing. That doesn't mean they necessarily have to be together, but like, I feel like of all the people in Riverdale... The people whose missions align the most closely are them, and they seem to get along. 
I don't see any like romantic tension with them yet. But right. I'm kind of like... Yeah, maybe they're just friends. I guess. I is know. that okay? That's fine. The only thing is that Jughead is... Jughead and Betty are both like so not having their... Like, like they're so disconnected to the thing that right. Archie is so passionate about. That's and not, is. I mean, that's not true. You don't think that's true? Betty literally showed up to help him with Pops last I, episode. I guess. I more mean like she is... Like, she's not so concerned about the soul of Riverdale the way Tabitha is. What does that even mean? I don't know, but they say it a lot, Josh. It comes up all the time. She, like, I feel like every episode, Betty's like, and of course I support you, Archie. Yes, yes, I know. We, we're a Barchie, we're a Barchie stan over here in this corner of the podcast. Caitlin's like, I wasn't satisfied with four and a half seasons of Bughead. I need hey, more Bughead. I have healed, John. <laughs> I no longer am a bughead stand the way that I was, okay? But you have to admit they were so cute at one point. There was a time. There was a time. Right. In that episode that you weren't on when they when they cut back to a couple choices. Yeah, that was that was I was like, glad Caitlin's not here. (laughs) So that someone can be objective about this. Yeah, I would be like they picked the best three scenes. They did. They really did. Uh, it's just so weird that they're gone, you know? It's just like What are you talking about? You can go back and watch those episodes. They're gone though sad you're you're really a smile because it happened kind of guy well i you know that's always my thing on tv shows when it's like it changed the episodes are still there you can go and watch them anytime you want in whatever order you want however many times you want they made them for you i'll watch all of riverdale but then i'll just play like a very at the very finale of bughead centric one yeah yeah that is my finale do what you gotta do i'll do it i'll do it sometimes you know, sometimes you do have a show that ends and you're like, yeah, that was a pretty good ending. But the finale actually happened back here. Yeah. You know? Veronica Mars. Supernatural. 15 seasons of Supernatural. That's... That fifth season finale. Great series finale. You know, I have to really, I think that may be a binge I do at some point. Supernatural. A binge? Yeah. I mean, it's a marathon. Yeah. A marathon. So maybe maybe a give year. yourself time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't 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 be like in a weekend. <laughs> Come on. I do. I probably could do the math and figure out how long it would take me. But yeah. Anyway, Riverdale. So Frank confronts Archie at the work site. Tabitha tells everyone about the new location. Tells them the crew that burgers are going to be twenty five cents, the same price they were back when unions were first established. Very cute. Which. Wow, imagine paying 25 cents for a burger. Would it have been relative, do you think, though? I would have felt like a lot. Yeah, or, or not like, a Jesus, lot. Jesus, a 25 but... cent burger? Inflation's <laughs> like, crazy around here. Like, would it have felt like $5, you know? Or would it have felt like... Like, how much is a burger, like, at a fast food place? Like, what would you say is, like, a normal price? I mean, oh, at a fast food place or at a diner? At a, I feel like diner food is, like, literally, like, it would be a $15 burger. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. It can be like ten bucks. Yeah, we talked about eleven twenty two sixty three. Yes, right? I haven't seen it, but right. we did talk no, about I it. No, I just liked that the um the guy who discovers that there's a hole in time in the back of his diner uses it to buy ground beef from the nineteen sixties. So funny. And he's like, "It's the cheapest beef in America." I mean, hey, look, if it works, it works. So Fangs complains to Archie about Percival's working additions. Uh, him and another guy Archie's like of course and Carlos we've been friends forever (laughs) the audience knows and loves you you've always been union what if he's like Carlos is like yes and all of my prior appearances on the show I've been staunchly union (laughs) I know I was like who is that man (laughs) he seems fine 
no one believes Percival will allow them to unionize, but they should still try. I did think that this was kind of funny because while I completely support Archie's efforts, I think he does forget that this man is trying to build a ghost train and that maybe a union wouldn't be the thing that Archie, stops Archie's, it. Archie's, every time someone says ghost train, Archie like edits it out of his own memory and he's like, right, bad business train. Right. I hear you. That train's going to ruin the town because it's a normal train that brings out bad business. Right. Yeah. I don't know about that ghost word, but (laughs) train bad. (laughs) Train bad. Percival. (laughs) Oh, sexy lamp. Percival talks to Archie, tries to uh, give him a proposition to join his team, get paid to protect the crew there on site. Archie would never do that. Archie's incorruptible, baby. Ugh. Except for that one time when he created a fascist cult. Right, right, right. Except for the fascist uh, uh, police state. Yeah, except for that. Season two. That was a long time ago. He's forged now. Yeah, he's for- he's forged <laughs> emotionally, but also physically with Can metal. You- <laughs> Don't really know what forged means. Can you even imagine now. they get rid of the powers, and then it's like Archie's body gets suddenly has like intense metal poisoning yes, from oh all my of God. the forging. Oh no! You that drank was- palladium. <laughs> That would be quite the ending of the show. And that's what killed Archie. (laughs) Cancer. Oh, no. Management wouldn't allow the crew to unionize. Obviously, obviously he's a terrible man. Archie gives them a speech to kind of inspire them to fight for their rights. In Stranger Things 4, there's a character who's like the head of the basketball team. Cool. And they introduce him leading a pep rally. And they're like, come on, Hawkins, let's win this championship. And everyone's like, woo, we love you. And then like things kind of start going, going to shit. Oh. And they start doing a plot line that's a riff on the satanic panic around Dungeons and Dragons. I love that. With this guy and his friends are like, no, 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 that's not like a like a game group. That's that's a cult. And then he starts <laughs> going and be like, come on, guys, are we gonna stand up for ourselves against these cultists for the Satan? And it's like the same speech. Oh and everyone's my like, God. woo, we love you. And like he inspires people to revolt. I I I think I should watch Stranger Things. That kind of sounds fun. <laughs> Riverdale did it first, obviously. Uh, of course, of course. He's like evil Archie. Is I guess where I was going with that. John just caught a fly with his hands. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. You'll never know because it's an audio medium. Yeah. But it was. It did really happen. It did happen. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't just make that up to make you sound cool. Percival calls Archie and tells him about an accident that day. Oh, no, I bet yeah. it's Carlos. You just, <laughs> you know, they don't say who it is. I assumed it would be Carlos. Yeah. So, yeah, you just, you know, these guys were just talking about unions so much that a guy lost his foot. Always happens that you way. You know how it goes down. It was just, they were so agitated about the union. <laughs> so, Archie, you should leave my guys alone. That seems like a your fault. Yeah. <laughs> How could you do this? It's more more of a threat of like, Archie, if you keep going on this line, more people are going to get hurt. He has two feet. Yeah. For now. <laughs> Tabitha tells the crew she and Archie spoke to the injured worker, but Percival hadn't checked in at all. No shit. He's pretty, a bad man. Pretty, Archie's pretty like, maybe if I unionize. Right, he'll, right. He'll it's, it, but it's like a lot of work, right? Archie has to spend like a whole week on these guys <laughs> to then be like, wait, that guy's bad. And he's yeah. like, yes. <laughs> Oh, he's That's what like, I've been saying. He's like literally like a demon. Like literally. Like literally he is a demon. He's or something. Some, or something. We don't know if it's a demon, I guess, specifically. But we're not about, good. Yeah, we're about, if we've been jumping the shark this whole season, we're about to uh, uh, jump the little tech deck on the finger of <laughs> the guy jumping the shark. The little yeah. <laughs> do the next thing at the end of this episode. They read a letter that Cheryl had found written by Percival's great-grandfather. This was, okay, we'll, we're going to get there, but... We, so this yeah. is a guy, there was a minor strike in 49. 
this guy, I don't I don't remember his first name, the person, his great-great-grandfather no. or something like that. He, he, he calls the miners uh, ingrates, worse than mules, Ooh. and says their uh, backs must be broken and they must be forced beneath his foot. Just and then everyone's like, wait, <laughs> could this family be bad? So Percival did not write this. Right. What does this say about Percival's perspective on anything? Right. Right. Not that, not all that much. <laughs> right, right, right. But two, what do all of Percival's actions thus far say about him as a person? Literally everything. <laughs> Why are we going to the past to find the letter so that what it reveals what? That he is a hates workers? <laughs> he hates workers because he, he probably sawed some guy's foot what's off. The, uh, what's the old trope of like, you know, the kids will have the damning voice recording of the yep. guy saying, no, I did it. <laughs> Yeah. And I liked it, that kind of thing. Or like, it's like Archie playing that where it's Percival himself going, yeah, and I'm going to hurt them all, make them lose feet, and I hate my workers. And I'm going, yeah, but it's it's some guy they'll never meet right, from, right. from years and years ago. And they're like, well, I mean, if he feels that way, his great-grandson's got to be just as bad. Right, exactly. And you know what? I love this union plotline. I really do, but I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I, I really like how this one comes together. I didn't really have a problem with that in the moment. It just made me laugh. I was like, guys, like, he also did all these other bad things directly to you. Right, right, right. Right. And they're all like, there's no other work. And Archie's like, I was offering you a job. <laughs> right. You right. all left the job I had. I know, ghosts. But right. we're friends ghosts. with them now. <laughs> also, hilarious because Archie has like six other businesses. Who does he employ? Well, that... They, <laughs> they could all work at Pops. They're so slash the pet adoption wing of the boxing gym slash youth center slash fire department. Where's the fire department now, Caitlin? Do the schools not have teachers anymore? Where's the... Is it still the school season? I don't know at this point. I don't know. Britta's in this episode. Britta Wasn't is. that weird? That was I weird. was like, what? She's a babysitter. That's not where we are right now. Where we are is the next day at the work site where Percival, Frank, Kevin, and Moose. Why are you there? Yeah. Meet Archie alone. He's alone. He says he's representing the crew after their unanimous vote to strike. Percival promises Union. Archie hasn't seen any real fighting yet. Oh, but he will. But he will eventually. Right. I don't know. He's been to war. Yes. Yeah. yes. So like, you got to really do something. Yeah. And was Bingo in that scene? Because Bingo <laughs> has some thoughts. I wish he just had Bingo growling at Percival the whole scene. He was like, I am the soul of a soldier who died on the field. <laughs> I am Bingo reborn. <laughs> Where would you like to go next? Oh. Let's, let's do Maury. So Moose and Kevin are hanging out in the champagne suite Kevin lives in now. Sure. Kevin's like, yeah, I need to move out of my dad's place. I need to establish a permanent residency. And Moose is like, I'm rethinking this whole place right now. <laughs> Kevin feels he has no choice but to take baby. And Moose is like, you have a choice. You do. Moose is like, I really hope I don't have to be my dad if I'm going to date this guy. Yeah, he's like, wait, hang on. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to be with Fangs. Oh, oh yeah. oops. <laughs> Whoops. Tony and Fangs speak with their lawyer, who says they're going to be exposed as unfit parents just based on their own history. It's going to look to a jury. And Kevin wants a paternity test done, which they say will be used against them either way. Yeah, I didn't understand that. But if he's not the baby's biological father, how does that get used against them? <laughs> also, or is it like the biological parents are really bad for this kid? We got to get him out of there. I don't, I can't imagine it would do. Kevin any favors so I didn't really understand why this was happening in this way because Kevin obviously you know soup for brains but 
But, like, why would you think this would be a good thing, Kevin? I think Kevin's been emotionally uh, <laughs> turned off for a long time. Yeah. Ever since Broadway didn't work out for him. He's just been a little bit like, I don't know. He's very anything. lost. He's a very, very... Quietly a very sad character. Very sad. Who would make perfect sense to be revealed as, like, a serial killer late in the game or, or something. Or, or, ret- retcon. Can you imagine? They catch, they catch the trash bag killer, right? He's in jail. All of a sudden, someone else is wearing trash. It's someone Kevin. else is in bed. You are all trash, Betty. It's Kevin. Yeah, remember how Kevin was in a cult? Never really unpacked that. Which one? That. Oh, man. Which, he which just, one wasn't he in? Is he still kissing Percival, too, in his free time? Or Yeah, is, yeah does Moose know? Does, does Moose know? I don't know. I don't think Moose knows. Moose is, like, hanging out with Percival, but seems like he's like, I don't know what's going on in this town. Yeah, Moose, uh, somebody somebody tweeted at us, not tweeted at us, Instagrammed us and said, are we sure Moose isn't a figment of Kevin's imagination? <laughs> and I was like, until you said that he was in the scene with Archie, I was like, wait, are we sure? Yeah, I mean, Archie doesn't speak to him. Yeah, exactly. Makes you, makes you wonder if, like, long hair Moose shows up. Right, And they're what? like, that guy in the denim? No, not real. Of course Moose <laughs> is a bohemian weirdo who lives in the woods now. <laughs> right. Crazy. So crazy. I like that theory. I think, I think that should be canon. The lawyer asks if they can retire from the serpents. And Tony says, well, we're actually in the middle of rebranding the serpents into a political activist group. And the lawyer says, I don't, I don't think that's a real thing. Yeah, I don't think no. you get to make that choice. Yeah, and also things is like hard. No, right, everyone's that. like, what does that even mean? What does that look like? And how would that make it better, actually, mm-hmm. in this case? Right, and they're currently branding their family into a political group, too. Yeah, <laughs> it's very confusing to me what the serpents have ever been. So I'm not really sure why people are so mad about it because all I know is that they were donating toys to toddlers for tots. So toddlers for tots. Tots for toddlers. I mean, I don't. We're gonna keep talking in circles about this I forever. Know. What I, are, I feel like I've explained what gangs are supposed to be a million right. times. But what are they now? What's What's the point? Right. That's okay. What, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's I what I'm saying. I agree. So. So question. People, if people hear gang. Right, what, it's what, bad. Before you watch this show, and someone said these two are gang members. I know, I understand. And they why wanna, that's bad. they want to raise their child in the gang. Right, I feel like that would be negative. It doesn't sound good. No, right, but it's just weird that the serpents were ever branded a gang in the first place. Because I feel like we've retconned so many times of what the serpents are. Well, the serpents are unfortunately whatever they need them to be in exactly. any given episode. Because it's not a show about consistent characters. It's a show about good looking people who you can dress up in whatever outfits you want. I love that. I don't. I love that. <laughs> Tony asks Fangs if he's thought about her proposal. And he doesn't think it's the right reason to get married. Which, uh, he's right. Yeah, no, he is right. But he definitely doesn't know that she has no interest in actually, like, she's not excited about marrying him for marriage sake. Well, until uh, the end of the episode. Well, we'll get there. Right. So Kevin shows a crewmate at the railroad site a picture of baby. <laughs> and he's like, this is my son. And okay. Fangs, who's sitting across from him <laughs> on, on the same railway, is like, hey, no. No. <laughs> And, he and then right. they fight. <laughs> he is right. Kevin has zero claim over this child. Well, Kevin doesn't know that yet. I guess, but like, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess, I guess in the universe where Kevin thinks he might be the biological father, I could see why Kevin would be like, this is my son. Yeah. But Kevin has not really spent much time with baby, right? I guess we kind of established that he I mean, sees him a little bit, maybe. 
Just feels kind of strange. Because uh, because they gave him baby. They said, Kevin, <laughs> we're in danger because of this Twyla Twist, who's clearly going to be important for the rest of the season. We're going to have a lot of confrontations with Twyla Twist over here. As they've, they have So had. So Kevin, right, because all of the fights they've had, yeah. you know, they were like... <laughs> We could write all these casino plot lines, or we could write a gang war. Well, that would be silly if we did all these casino plot. Anyway. Right. Uh, so they were like, Kevin, take the baby. And Kevin was like, good, we're a team. We raised this baby together. And then next thing we know, he was like, I don't think you should have this baby. And, and they're like, and, wow. And here we are. Now we're in this whole mess, and none of it makes sense. No, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Never give Kevin a baby. It's like if you give a mouse a cookie. Right. Okay. If, you give, if you give Kevin anything, that is his now. They validated him too much with his musical theater dreams, and look what happened. Just saying. This just is, saying. And you know, it's just weird that he's not just like working at the casino. Yeah. You know, what you know I think, I think, I'm like looking around your house like someone's going to sneak up on me. I think yeah, Veronica yeah. took advantage of him. Wow. Long ago. You know, anytime she'd had like an open mic night or something, it was like, Kevin, come MC. Uh, I was yes. never like, Kevin, do you want a permanent job? That's true. You it know was, who needs a unionized Kevin? It was always Kevin. like, Kevin, you know what? I'm really paying you with, right? I'm, I'm paying you with getting your name out there. Oh, man. Right? This is going to be huge for, what, what's the term? I keep exposure. forgetting. Exposure. Yeah, right. For exposure. exposure. This is going to be huge for exposure. And Kevin was like, buy it. I'm in. Thanks, Veronica. You're my best friend. You're going to help me make it into, into Broadway. And then he got to New York and he was like, Veronica, where are you? And she was like, yeah, you can hang out with my friend Katie. <laughs> so do you think that um, Veronica pays everyone in exposure, <laughs> like including the waiter? But it's good exposure. Right, right, right. No, you... I think she pays these people. Huh, crazy. No, crazy. I think it's just Kevin. Poor Kevin. Poor Kevin, but also, man, get it together. Also, Kevin should have been more pissed when Percival came to Veronica and was like, hey, I could be your new MC. Like, Kevin should have been like, I'm going to kill you. This is all I have in this town. This is it. This is the only thing. Kevin should be a magician. There's nobody I think would make a better magician in, like, aesthetic than Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. He should just get into that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Solve a lot of problems for him. You know how, like, a lot of WB shows will have, like, oh, the cast member wants to sing. We'll give him a song. Yes. Can you imagine if it was, like, oh, yeah, cast member wants to be a, <laughs> a magician. <laughs> so can we write that into the show somehow? <laughs> I, I would love that. I would love it. And then the script says, and Casey does stage magic. Which <laughs> is, <laughs> like, kind of, like, okay card tricks. <laughs> like, not that impressive. He's like, can you fix that in post? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> is this your card? Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Casey Gott. Tony tears into Fang's bag at home. And Fang's upset that Kevin's just allowed to go around saying that he's baby's daddy. <laughs> That's good. Were you very excited to say Thank that? You. I really thought, I was really proud I found that. Great. <laughs> Moose, Moose is with Kevin for like a sexy, sexy dinner with candles and stuff. And he's like, you don't know if you're baby's daddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Moose and, found and that Kevin, out. Kevin's like, hold on, Moose. Have you ever seen the pilot for Glee? Yeah, it's like They do that. this great bit that gets retconned <laughs> out because they cast Jeff Goldblum. But... So, I, what is Kevin thinking? Wouldn't you think that the best thing Kevin could do is absolutely never find out who the real identity of the baby's father is? I mean, wow. The best thing Kevin could have done was not blow up <laughs> His the life, life that he had put together in search of something I, he still hasn't come close to finding. Right, right. Uh, uh, he, he detonated a pretty pretty uh, nice situation that would have been ideal for that kid. This child is not going to grow up in much worse conditions than they yeah. were brought into this world expecting. 
Yeah, well, now it's all tense with every single parent that he has. He could have had three lovely parents. Right. He's like, I'm here, and, like, the house is on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, baby. Sweet, sweet baby. Britta is babysitting for Tony. She's just, I thought she was gone. Yeah, no, she is here. She is back. And uh, she's, like, looking for something, and Tony, Tony's pretty normal. She's just like, I had a normal day. I'm definitely not going to go go off the chain right now. Well, anyway, what are you doing? And she's like, I can't find this pacifier. Oh. Baby had a great day. Kevin came by, and then the pacifier went missing. I I don't think that British should have let Kevin in. And I guess I don't blame her, but wouldn't Tony have mentioned this? I just feel like, you know, it would be a note, hey... Custody battle. Don't don't, don't worry let about this it, man in. Yeah. Right. Like, Kevin can knock him over. I've been an assistant in rooms where it's like, if this person calls, that man isn't in his office. You listen to me. <laughs> like <laughs> They are not here. And 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 if they're like, Britta's like a normal girl, we don't want to overload her with our with our life sure. drama. Britta could easily be like, I don't know if you know what happens in Cheryl's house. And then Tony would be like, Of course I know what happens in Cheryl's house. <laughs> I was trapped then, there for three years. And then next thing we know, Britta would have a gun waiting for Kevin if he <laughs> I would love for Britta to just like like threaten Kevin. <laughs> you stay out of here. You stay out of baby's life. I'm gonna put baby in that corner and yeah, you go. Do I, do I just want Britta to have a gun? Hmm. I don't know. Tony invades Kevin and Moose's sexy dinner mm. and starts punching Kevin with brass knuckles. She's wearing the old jacket. She's furious. She needs that pacifier back. And then she tells him he will never be baby Anthony's father. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Britta texted her and was like, found the pacifier. <laughs> I no, but he does have, he's what? like, uh, yeah, pacifier. And like, gives it to her. <laughs> just, totally went wild and out and, and beat up Kevin. So I think that... Um, does it feel a little out of character? A little little surprising and out of nowhere? It kind of did. Like, oh, this pacifier is the final straw. Now he's going to get it. Right. I also, again, think that the pacifier couldn't, Either way, they're going to find out who the real biological father is, I assume, in this custody battle. So this didn't feel like the biggest problem. It also might not look good for their custody battle. Not that she beat up Kevin, but that they well, have one pacifier in the house. Right, right, exactly. That was actually what the whole thing was that about. Feels, yeah, we don't have a spare. <laughs> the single pacifier. The single pacifier. We're going to stay all up together. all night while the baby's crying? You give me that. <laughs> Fangs is kind of excited to see it when he finds her icing her hand with all of her gear out. It's like so hot. She's like, I'm not rebranding and I'm not apologizing for what they are. And Fangs is like, good, because that that idea tested really poorly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we were never going to do that. (laughs) It was never on the table. They're inducting baby Anthony into the serpents as a baby. And Fangs gets to choose his serpent name. And he writes down on a paper, Cucumber... (laughs) Madeline. <laughs> Junior. I I uh I really want to see that baby in a tiny little leather jacket. That's really all it's, of um, Bart Hartley Johnson. That's what I want. <laughs> and if I don't get that, I'm gonna be mad. hmm Tell you what. Bangs all down to marry Tony now. Love it. This is what I needed. Now it feels right. Yeah, now you're kind of violent and unhinged, so mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. We find out that the pacifier was uh, being grabbed for testing purposes. But first of all, I already knows Kevin is not the father. So glad that we had to go through all these <laughs> hoops then. <laughs> okay. Percival just knows things. And he also knows <laughs> what baby Anthony represents. You see, that be- that boy is the best boy in Riverdale. Oh. <laughs> and there can only be one. <laughs> oh, man. Percival's plots. Percival, Percival needs to... 
So does the ghost train, does that have to do with anything? <laughs> is that, is that involved? It's got to take the baby onto the ghost train. Right. Then get ceremonially awarded the best boy in Riverdale cool. prize. <laughs> Somebody tweeted, I think it was No Context Riverdale, um, all I want to see is Percival in a train conductor's hat. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I too want that. What's Betty doing? Let's let's talk to Betty. Betty? Murder. Murder. Not even once. Oh, cool. Alice calls Betty as if they're in a emotional place to do that right now. Right. She says, Charles is upstairs. Betty runs through the house and finds him hooked up to machines in her bedroom, dying. <sighs> Bummer. Alice says that Betty is still her brother. So can they call a truce? To which, if I were Betty, I'd be saying, so did you do this? <laughs> Just to yeah. get me back in the house? Well, look, Alice changes personalities every week. Right. Alice is like, listen, the Alice that Said you're evil? gaslit you for so long, she's not here this week. No. Last week the, she told Betty the she The struggling evil. mother of a son she thought was dead for a long time is back this week. <laughs> Betty asks Charles how Chick is. This broke my heart. Betty's like, listen, I don't know how to say this, but last time you were here with Chick, it was way better. Oh. Way better than you were and way better than he was. Can we see that again? And Charles says, no. I guess Harden's not on the show anymore. <laughs> I guess. What a bummer, though. Uh, Charles hasn't seen Chick since they got married. I'm no, a little they, bummed that they... They didn't get married, They though. didn't even get married? No, they because she was like, did you guys ever get married? And he was like, no. No. That's and true. I was like, what the fuck? I thought you guys got married. I'm a little bummed that they're like, let's reinvent Charles again as a sympathetic man who's dying. Because in my opinion, you nailed it. You already had the perfect Charles. You had evil Charles, which we never really got to experience with his... With his twink boyfriend and see, i wanted it see here's the thing i wanted I, them on the loose i never really saw charles as evil i just saw him as like really misguided he was like a dexter type right like he only killed i guess killers. that's my thing is that i he was always lying hmm you thought he was just evil evil we don't know is right. my thing here's is the that thing. he was we never met the real charles until he escapes from prison and yeah. in that one he seems more like a full-on psychopath uh, and i'm like a little bit like oh that's a turn Okay, mm -hmm. that would be kind of interesting to have it be like, oh no, every that guy you thought you were friends with, I that's just me playing a part kind of thing. I just remember he had like different hair. Everyone had different hair. It was the time jump. It was the time jump. It was a different time yeah. then. <laughs> they were like, Archie's hair. What if it were cut slightly different? And then by this season, it's exactly it's the exactly same. It's exactly the same. Then he asks if Charles is afraid of what's coming. He said he's made a peace with it after all the terrible things he's done. Then she wants to know if he always knew he was different. To better understand her, herself. And tells her about a possum he caught and killed. Oof. Like, you know, like caramel. You like caramel. She says, nothing like caramel. And he says, well, what if I told you that the possum's name was chocolate chip? <laughs> like condensed milk. Huh? <laughs> condensed milk. <laughs> I feel like that's a weird name for a possum. Yeah, you know, works though. Yeah. He thinks about uh, condensed milk a lot. <laughs> I wonder if setting it free could have changed his path betty suspects charles isn't dying of leukemia it's his darkness that's poisoning him big leap that happens to be right so <laughs> she sees alice approaching him with a pillow smothering him and betty runs over to her house and pulls out alice off okay here's my issue with this and this is like a small small note but alice has been trying so hard to cling on to her kids that I feel like she would not smother her, her son, even in a mercy killing, because she's selfish. It's also unclear if Charles really did ask her to do this. <laughs> yeah, that was also unclear. 
Because she's like, like, he wants this. And then Charles never talks about it. Right, right. You know, like, Charles is like, I don't want to die. <laughs> Screaming in pain. No, he did not look happy. No. He, he wasn't like, like, no, 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 Betty, it's fine. Yeah, he was straight up having a bad time. And Alice is like, this is what I need to do. I'm his mother. Yes. Famously, this is what mothers do. Alice tells Betty this is the plan to free Charles from his suffering. Ben, Betty promises she will regret it. Alice doesn't wants to know what they're supposed to do, and Betty is at a loss for just like I don't something not murder right. uh, something not smother him with a pillow maybe I don't know. <laughs> People do deal with things like this. Right. We, the next scene is kind of a lead in to her telling to her explaining what's going to happen next. But I do like the idea that Betty sits Alice down. She goes, "Okay, I have an idea to help Charles." There's this, there's this hot new girl at the FBI agent named Drake. Now, she believes Veronica <laughs> is a living distiller of toxic, of toxic material. So if we put Charles's blood through my friend Veronica, then his blood will come out clean and that will help him. What a, what a giant leap to make. Does she explain it like that to Alice? We don't see the conversation, but somehow Alice is like, yes, those three women can do whatever they want up in that room with Charles for however long as it takes. What a crazy plan. That would definitely kill him. It re- definitely. Everyone would die in that situation. They want situation. to put his blood through Veronica. Well, yeah. So uh, <laughs> the next day, Charles seems fine. <laughs> so hey, it worked. Betty admits she wasn't even sure she wanted to save him, but this is bigger than him. It's about Alice and herself. And Charles says he has an idea to trap TBK. Serial killer convention? That's going to be in another plot. Well, that would be my obvious choice. Serial killer convention? Yeah, clearly. Right. Honey, honey Make pot. some money, too, while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. Where we go next? Hmm. Magic? The Malleus Maleficarum. Cheryl's at a meeting with Archie and Tabitha where they're talking about union stuff. And she's like, excuse me, I'm on ghost train only? <laughs> they say, fine. Does your family have any old records with the Percivals, the Pickens? That could help. I don't know. Uh, can I look it up with my friend Heather? And they're like, we literally don't care. <laughs> Do whatever you want. She's like, bye. Right. So uh, Heather finds something. She's like, this could help. And and Cheryl's like, oh, about the union? She says, no. There's a letter referencing a magic book called the Malleus Maleficarum that the Pickens has stole from the Blossoms a long time ago. And Cheryl's like, all right. <laughs> sure. I guess this is what we're doing. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh... Heather wants to teach Cheryl to become unseeable. She doesn't use the word invisible for whatever reason. It's trademark, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> to look for the Maleficarum in Percival's shop. So as long as Cheryl holds her breath, she'll be unseeable while Heather distracts Percival. I'd be bad at this. I, I, I mean, she's bad at it. She drops a book. What are you doing? You got one job. <laughs> <laughs> then Percival gets suspicious doesn't see anything, goes back to talk to Heather, and Cheryl just has this book. It looks vaguely like a Necronomicon from Evil Dead. With the eye? But it doesn't do anything. They don't, it's, yeah, it has like a face on it. They don't read it. They don't touch it. It's not, doesn't solve a problem or cause a problem. The Cheryl plotline this week is that she and her perfect girlfriend go on a field trip, get a book, and go home. Yeah. The next scene they have together is them going, well, now that we have that book, let's get back to Archie's stuff. <laughs> and then Cheryl shows Archie the minor strike thing from 49. And then Cheryl sits on Heather and she says, Heather, I don't know how to, how to explain this to you, but 
there's no library. <laughs> I just wanted to spend time with you. Is that okay? And somehow Heather finds it in her heart to stick around anyway. Almost like she knew it was BS the entire time. Look, love is hard, okay? That's not true. When it's with Heather and your Cheryl, love is extremely easy. Love is easy for Almost her. like Heather, <laughs> just nothing case. could possibly turn Heather away. You don't think that's sus at a little bit? No. <laughs> you no, know, I think it's poorly written. In another show, it'd be really suspicious. I don't know. I don't, I don't trust Heather. They're not shooting it like I'm supposed to read into it in any deeper way. She's not acting it like I'm supposed to read into it in any deeper way. We'll see. We'll see. Right. I'm just okay. saying. Uh, audiences, at this point, you pull up your scorecards of who's been right more often. <laughs> John, wow. Wow, low blow. Low blow, John. Was <laughs> oh I not right about That's <laughs> the entire... <laughs> um, let's go to ventriloquist dummy. What is that one called? How can I make money off of this? That's not ventriloquism. That's absinthe. Oh, right, right, right. Bring the beanie unto me. Bring the beanie on to me. Percival scans Reggie's mental long box and finds the missing page from his comic book. He muses that Jughead is more formidable than previously thought. And then Reggie says, hey, when are you going to teach me magic? <laughs> Percival is like, you're totally right. I'm so sorry. And then he Fuck. whips out this <laughs> ventriloquism puppet of Reggie. Terrifying. Says, I'm going to teach you to throw your voice. And I so wanted Reggie to say, that's not magic. <laughs> like, no, no, no. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You're going to throw your voice, which will distract Jughead during his all-seeing act. Once Jughead is distracted, Percival will have the opening to break into Jughead's mind. Guys, he's deaf. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. The plan is, I'm going to call Jughead a fraud, but he won't know I'm yelling it. Yeah, he won't know you're yelling it. <laughs> right. Exactly. A Which choice. would have been an amazing, amazing turn if they tried it and realized he was deaf for the first time and used that against him in any way. That's not what happens. Do that? Does anybody know that he's deaf? I guess most not. of his friends know. Well, most of his friends know, but does anybody else? Because he has been reading minds. You know. Who else could? Reggie. Who else would? Yeah, I guess not. Jughead says he sees something through the fog. He names where this woman had her first date. Whatever. Reggie yells, "You're a fraud!" But he doesn't. His mouth is shut. He's just moving his fingers. He has an ADR that you're a fraud. <laughs> and then Jughead's like moving his head around. He's like, who's saying that? As if he can hear. As if everyone forgot. But it would also be funny if, because his thing is like, I read minds to hear people speak. He's also like, Reggie, shut up. <laughs> Fuck you, Reggie. We all know it's Reggie. <laughs> uh, Jughead rips off his blindfold. I My next note is, Jughead, you are deaf. What are you doing? <laughs> Percival comes up on a locked keep out door in, his, in, in Jughead's mind. So Percival's going to need some kind of totem to convince Jughead that he is Jughead when he enters Jughead's mind. If only there was some kind of object iconically tied to Jughead that he could Man. wield. And I thought this was kind of brilliant, actually. The, that Reggie just said, oh, well, he had this beanie that <laughs> is actually in a time capsule right now that I could dig up. Yeah, that's kind of... Uh, I'm actually happy that would come that came back because I feel like they did make it a big deal. Yeah, I would bit. love for it to feel like more of a big deal. Does that make sense? Where yeah. it's like, hey, this is a pretty emotional moment for you putting all that in the ground. Could maybe some of seeing some of this shake you in some way? Right, could Reggie feel like, oh man, I shouldn't betray all my friends for the umpteenth right. time. Right, but that would require shooting footage of a man going inside and digging things. Right. And the show don't do that. 
To notoriously hate That costs money. We don't have that. Outdoor shots. Jughead and Veronica start their show. Percival's wearing the S shirt, the serpent's jacket, the beanie. It's wild. It looks really weird. He looks like... <laughs> he looks much younger. Yeah, he does. And I saw him on Twitter and he like was in the mirror. And I was like, huh, something about this is like wrong. <laughs> I can't explain why. So he opens the door and Jughead starts hearing more minds. Then Percival shoves a newspaper into the door, sticking it open. And Jughead runs off stage overwhelmed. It appears Jughead is incapable of reading his own mind. He right. can't just go in there and be like, hmm, pull that out, close yeah. the door. Veronica checks in on Jughead. He tells her it feels like his head's going to explode, so she cancels the show. Jughead goes to Pops Royale. Uh, everybody there is overwhelming, so he leaves without talking to Tabitha. <laughs> Jughead's overwhelmed even at home. So Tabitha comes home to the second time her boyfriend has just <laughs> vanished on her with only a note. <clears throat> yeah, it's a pattern of behavior, Tabitha. He's like, I can't live among the homeless this time, so I'm in another location you don't know about. You definitely don't know where I am right now. Can't imagine where he would go. So he's in the sex bunker. Obviously. It's been a while. It has. I missed it. Did I did you? miss it. Yeah, I missed it. Eh. Yeah, he hears wow. voices there, too. But not voices from Riverdale. Voices from River Vale. Did you notice, obviously you notice how the D flipped from a D to a V really quickly when it cut out? Yes, that actually helped because at first I couldn't tell if yeah. the lines were the line readings from Rivervale or what was going on. That was extremely helpful. <laughs> Whoever in the production was, hey, maybe we should do this. Yeah. Solved a huge problem there. Amazing. Yeah. Which makes sense because the last time we were in the sex bunker was where uh, an alternate Jughead was sitting down to set off that universe yeah. with his writing. So I, hmm, was he, he wasn't in the sex bunker in Riverdale, though. It wasn't like they locked Jughead into that one. No. No, no. it was in the other universe. Interesting. And that's the end of the Jughead plot, which I believe leaves us with only one. Oh, yes, Ver- Veronica finding a way to make money in any that's situation. Right. That's right. How can this enrich me? <laughs> So when Veronica explains her powers to Drake, she associates their emergence with Hiram's death. Sure. Drake knew of Hiram. She refers to him as the rum guy, which is the second time someone's been like, that guy's known for rum. Right. And I feel like the rum thing was kind of a recent development in his career. Right. She investigated his rum business before she switched to absinthe. And Veronica goes, absinthe? Let's unpack that. Yeah, wait. And Drake says, it's not really important. She says, no, no, no. (laughs) You fucking tell me right now. (laughs) And uh, apparently there's an underground market for undiluted poisonous absinthe. Because people are like, regular absinthe, that won't kill me. Right. <laughs> Give me that good stuff. So Veronica hears money. And Drake Drake says, I don't listen, I don't even know why I'm talking about absinthe. It's not really important to anything. Also, your body can filter all toxins out. So that's like pretty cool. You're like a dialysis machine. So Veronica has a private meeting with an FBI agent she just met. And says, hey... I'm thinking about illegally selling more intense absinthe. And then Drake, the FBI agent, goes, that's a great idea. I should get in on that. Man. Veronica really is her father's daughter. She just lives in her own world. (laughs) Yeah, she is. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. well, I mean, usually I'd be against that if it were a man, but you're a cute young girl, so let's get in on it. All right, business. Yeah, look, any way Veronica can make money. So Veronica knocks on Cheryl's door looking for a book on distilling absinthe and her wormwood supply. Did you think wormwood was wood? I don't... It's, uh, no, probably not. I did. I never thought it was like a plant. <laughs> I was like, that's weird. 
But I don't know anything about making alcohol, so I guess that's fine. Well, in our next scene, Veronica guesses she can leach poisons out of the wormwood by squeezing real hard. <laughs> she just puts them in her hand and squeezes. Okay, so John, you don't you don't want to know what I thought she was gonna do. Thought she was gonna eat it and like pee eat. it back out yes! and be absent. And I was that like, would make more sense with everything we know about her. It would make more sense, but I'm like, they can't possibly. Can be you imagine? There. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow, that's a weird choice. Can you imagine if she doing it this way? Drake is like, why would that work? Right. <laughs> that's not how I explained this to you. Right. right. So Betty and Veronica enjoy a nice glass of undiluted absinthe together, casually, as friends. Yeah. Betty is relieved and optimistic about the future, and then she asks Veronica if she can rent the casino for a fan convention, a serial killer fan convention. Bum bum. And that's the end of the episode. John, have you ever had absinthe? No. It's gross. Like, I've seen it represented as just, like, a strong alcohol, and then also represented as, like, this thing will give you hallucinations. I know. Have you seen Eurotrip? No. Okay, you gotta watch Eurotrip. But there's a whole scene where they take absinthe at, like, a German nightclub or something, mm-hmm. and, like, shit goes really, really <laughs> wrong. I've had it before. I've, I've done, like, shots of absinthe in Europe. I'm a tiny horse again. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. You you just clomped right down to your <laughs> new form. <laughs> just became a tiny, <laughs> tiny horse. It's just, it's so bad. It's such a bad tasting thing, but I never felt like anything crazy, so. Who is your pick for the best boy in Riverdale this week? Moose. Moose wins. You're not doing so hot. I'm going to take a sip of Diet Coke and I'll be right back. Wow, I wish I had a better pick than Moose, but I'm going to give it to Archie just because he really did pull off what he set out to do. He and Tabitha can co-share best boy in Riverdale this week. Well, I feel like Archie and Tabitha are always going to be like the ones now. So I'm almost like, let's give it to somebody else. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm just glad Archie got like an actual win. Yeah. Like a recordable, this, I worked hard and I beat this guy. That was what you wanted. That's all I want. Yeah. And Percival was like, it's going to be worse now. And I was like, yeah, it will be. Yeah, raise the stakes. Woo, get worse. Two ghost trains instead of just one. (laughs) Parallel lines. (laughs) <laughs> the express ghost train. <laughs> Imagine. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. And who, uh, what was our other thing? Who jumped sh- the shark Yeah, this what week? was your jump the shark moment this week? I, I think probably uh, uh, the either Veronica making absinthe with her by squeezing real tight, um, finding a new way to uh, make money, or potentially just... Tony beating Kevin for stealing a pacifier. Everything about Heather and Cheryl. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, they did have an It's weird flow. having Heather interact with Percival. Yeah. Especially because he's, like, true evil mm-hmm. in, like, a, a recordable magic way. Right. And she's like, hello, sir. I'm looking for a gift for my friend. I'm Heather. I'm Heather. Heather. I love and the he's name he's like, Heather. what are you, 40? And she's like, it's just the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know why I dress this no way. One, no one can explain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do we do any other categories anymore? No, it's mostly it. Yeah. You know what happens next. Rumor mill? Yeah. Okay, so Moose is definitely an imaginary friend. No. You're wrong. <laughs> Moose okay. is a person. Moose is a person. Hmm... What was a theory that I had? Well, I think the biggest one we talked about last week, as in two days ago, which was Agent Drake potentially being TBK's daughter. Yeah, nothing happens in this episode to lean in one direction or the other on that. Yeah. I'm excited for next week. Why? It's a musical episode. Is it? Yeah. 
Oh, wow. And it's my musical episode. You wrote it? <laughs> I did write it. It's Surprise! <laughs> no, here's the thing about the Riverdale musical episodes. With the exception of a Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I have not seen or whatever, all of the musical episodes are like special to me in their own unique way. Like, I love Carrie, the movie. Heather's is my favorite movie. The other one was... Oh, no, it was Next to Normal. That's here's what the, it was. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've long considered myself a musical guy. I know musicals. You like musicals? But apparently, Roberto's like, no, you fucking don't. <laughs> Not these musicals. You don't know these musicals. Well, I've actually never seen American Psycho the musical, which is the next one. But I'm a big Brett Easton Ellis fan. Are you? Uh, it's never come it's up. It's never come up. You know, it's a secret... And I don't like to talk about it, but it was my whole personality. Yeah, we know. Everyone <laughs> Everyone You knows. have talked about it. No, I know that's the joke because I talk about it all the time. But I'm excited because I've never heard the music, so I'm kind of eager to hear it for the first time, sung by the cast of Riverdale, mostly Casey Cop, probably. Yeah, I don't know what... You know what's probably going to happen? What's going to happen, John? Musical episode is going to be all about the family stuff, the, the Mari stuff, that stuff interesting i only say because i don't know where anything else is going right now and the musical episodes have a knack for um solving the most problematic storylines in the season that's fair like heather's kind of solved the tony yeah, Cheryl and music drama. music is a good way to work through more complex character emotion so yeah. and kevin and kevin always kevin kevin's kevin <laughs> and so it would make sense if the musical episode was more focused on that than anything else but the sooner we can be done uh, with uh, Kevin Fangs and Tony's stuff, yeah. the much happier I think everyone will be. I think those three people need to be as separated as they possibly can in order to take care of this child. Uh, I don't think that helps the child either. Well, I'm just saying like they should not be, they should be co-parenting away from each other and not dramatically entangled what as they are now. Like? Uh, they drop the baby on the doorstep. They wave from the car. And you think that's a healthy... I think in the environment to raise a child in, or no, but I think in the sense of this, probably the best we're we're gonna get. This is drama. I mean, this can be solved. You think she beat him up? Yeah, but then next season they'll be like, we don't remember that happening. That's true. The memories are very short. Right, they won't, they won't talk about it ever again. Brass knuckles to the face is. Uh... Tony, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a move, a vibe. Now that would actually be the best move if Kevin suddenly didn't remember any of it. Yeah. He's like, actually, you know... If anyone could use the clean break of forgetting seven seasons of storylines, <laughs> it would be Kevin. Yeah, poor... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What happened? Jason? <laughs> oh, dude, where's Jason? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's... And then, obviously, the serial killer convention is going to be TBK-focused in some way. Yeah. If I were Betty, hunting a serial killer and dealing with a um, super-powered evil uh, entity try to take over my town and potentially end the world. Mm -hmm. And the serial killer also knew my boyfriend's superpower's weakness. I wouldn't invite him to town. Right. I understand that. I would like, you know, Atlantic City, two hours away. Right, that's true. They could have met up at the Javits Center or something. Right, right. Like, it has to also happen in Riverdale. Right, I get that it's convenient to just wake up and go. But, you know, maybe it's not the best plan in the long term. Yeah, because I also am just like, now I'm not interested in TBK. 
Right. Well, ever like, since meeting him, I've grown less interested in him. Yeah. Like, he didn't seem that scary. Right. He's trash. He's trash. We're all trash. <laughs> but, it, like, the thing that's... um, I've been impressed with how, you know, how interested I am in Percival's storyline. The stakes of it, it's kind of exciting. It's very different. I, I don't know where it's going to go. And every time we cut away, I'm like, can we please go back? Yeah. He's a good villain. Yeah. He really did breathe fresh life into this season. Yeah, which makes everything else feel kind of... The stuff he's not so directly involved with can feel very stale. Well, I think it feels very similar to other things we've done also. like no, Yeah. Uh, the Fangus Tony thing just keeps hitting the same point over and over right. again. This was the one that felt like there was a shift, but there wasn't enough of one. Like, I don't... I really need to be more in Tony's head to follow her to... This pacifier is the final straw. This guy needs a punch in the mouth. I uh, love that it was right in front of Moose. It would have been so good if Moose left behind her. He's like, yeah. fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> this, this is bad. Yeah. You're not a real man. <laughs> yeah, I'm very... Uh, I am curious to see how it all ties together. And, and, and Jughead... I don't know what we're oh, about right. to do with I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, and it feels like that's about to... I mean, if this isn't the moment that you explain, you show your work with whatever your you, your new idea is with Rivervale, uh, I don't know when you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how they're going to pull this all together. And, you know, maybe they won't, but they have to try. They'll try. Yeah. I'm excited, though. I liked the, uh, the ending of this episode. I was like, ooh... You know, we're going into a two-week break, but I'm, like, excited to see what's coming. Mm. Two-week seen... break? Yes. Yeah, that's a while. Yeah. Superman just had this, like, random break for two or three weeks. You mean like... Superman and Lois? Yeah, and I was just like, why are you... You... Stop it. Stop <laughs> that show has the most random breaks. It'll be, like, two weeks of on the air, and they'll be like, all right, bye for two more weeks. That's and like, so annoying. What the fuck are you doing? I know. I hate when shows do that. <laughs> this works, though, because you're going to be away, so this is actually very convenient. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us, some of us plan our trips around that. I know, man. Look, hey, look, Riverdale really attuned to your schedule, which is very convenient. So it's good. It's actually, it's like you come back the day we right. would record, which is probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. Although fun. I'd be really curious to hear what an episode that I'm not on, uh, yeah. how that would come out. Oh yeah, no, me too. Totally. The, the process of the recording so and exciting. the editing and so the guests and the notes. That. I guess and... I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I God, I hope to never know. But you know, if we had, if we ever had to, you know, I'd be more than willing. But mm-hmm. you know, I'll be proud. Oh, more than willing. More than willing. You want to just do it on one more? I'm gonna be around then. No, please. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> no. I actually 100 percent don't want that. So I upload the things to SoundCloud. <laughs> we both. You work really hard. I too. work really hard. Also, John, come on, yeah. it's great. I wrote. The, I write the little descriptions. <laughs> I don't know if you read them ever. But... You, are they vague, are they vague also? Is it like something happens? A they're, person goes to a place. They're not John all that. has opinions. <laughs> they're not all that specific, truly. But uh, sometimes they're funny. Okay. I do work hard on them. Yeah, no, it's great. You're great. Thank you. Thank you so much. What are you watching? Oh, so I, I already told you this, but I'm watching Love on the Spectrum, US version. But I keep falling asleep because it's very soothing and nice. Um, what else am I watching? I just uh, was watching Gone Girl the other day. You know it's a great movie? Gone Girl. But Gone Girl's really good. Great movie. Got a third film, though. The third film that I'm going to talk about is A Beautiful Mind, which I watched on the plane back from New York. A Beautiful Mind is a Russell Crowe movie from, like, 
2002, I think. And it stars Russell Crowe as John Nash, who's a mathematician. Um, yeah, he lives in uh, Princeton. You, you know this? Do you know him? My, Are you friends? My mom would just, for many years, be like, he lives in Princeton oh, anytime it came cool. up. So. so I have a question for you. Have you seen the movie? No. Okay. I was a little bit too young for it where it came out. Yeah. So was I. Russell Crowe <laughs> dramas aren't typically something that grabs me, that gra- grabbed me in my teenage years neither. Or I, any time past that. I, you know, <clears throat> I don't know why I watched this movie, but I watched it when I was quite young, like maybe like 12. And I was like, this is an excellent film. But I have a question for you as someone who doesn't know. what g- Describe A Beautiful Mind from what you think of it as. I mean, the man has... A beautiful mind. Truly. Okay. So smart, right? So smart, so yeah. So smart. But I believe it's schizophrenia okay. that he comes down with because he's like seeing things that aren't there. And that's everything I know. Oh, and he lives in Princeton. Okay, and he lives and in Princeton. And he's played by Russell Crowe. Right. Okay. So it's interesting because I was watching the film and I remember when I first saw it that I always knew he was schizophrenic. I always knew that. Like it, when I started the film, I was like, this is a movie about a guy with schizophrenia. Right. And he's a real person with schizophrenia. He lives in Princeton. And he lives in Princeton. He lives in Princeton. So, but when I watched it on the plane, I realized that it must have been a very big twist for people who like saw it in the theaters because it is incredibly subtle that all the people that are not real are not real. Like Paul Bettany is like his roommate and he is just... Like, you would never, you would truly never know. It's not like The Sixth Sense where you're like, oh, it's a little bit weird. Like, that guy, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but it seems like you, you would absolutely never figure this out. And so I think it's very interesting to me because I didn't realize that. I thought it was always a little bit more obvious, but no. I mean, I guess you could, you know, nobody interacts with them. And do you think it helps that it's multiple people? It's multiple, yes. Because if it was like one person isn't real, that's like... There's there's going to be signals, but if it's like a bunch of people, right? It's like there's three people who are not real, but they're different. In so it's it's interesting, but it's a really good movie, and I do recommend it. Um, but yeah, what about you? I saw this movie. Okay. In theaters, was it Crimes of the Past or whatever? No, 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 no. You couldn't. Okay. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, it was no? Top Gun Maverick. Oh, that's very it different. It was exhilarating. Yeah, it is an it. incredible movie. Okay. That Tom Cruise knows what it takes to get butts in the theaters. Okay. And I don't have much love for the original Tom, uh, Top Gun. I saw it mid-pandemic for the first time and was like, this is very gay. Yeah. And also kind of formless. Where, have you ever seen Top Gun? No. So Tom Cruise uh, is a Maverick pilot named Maverick. Okay. Who What's gets... A, what does that mean? It means he, he doesn't follow the rules. Oh, okay. That's what I thought it meant. But I thought it maybe meant something like in the pilot sense. Like he, that's a specific kind of pilot. It does seem to get brought up as a name around pilots, but that might be because of Tom Cruise now. Okay. Interesting. Uh, 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 and he and his buddy Goose get to go to the best flight school in the Navy. And they're in love. I'm, they're they're best friends. They're in they're in eighties masculine love. Okay, yes, yeah. cool. It's the best man he'll ever know. He can he can ride his tail anytime. He dies, doesn't he? Yes. Okay. But the the form of the movie is that they go to Top Gun flight school. They have three training sessions at Top Gun flight school. Goose dies in the third training session at Top Gun flight school. Then 
the military tribunal is like, it was an accident. Tom Cruise, you're fine. And then suddenly you're on an aircraft carrier and they're like, we're going into real combat. Tom Cruise, you have to fly. Val Kilmer, you have to fly. Uh, and they get into air combat and then they land and Val Kilmer's like, you really are the top gun or like whatever. And, Does he say that? And like, that's the end of the movie. And, and you're like, that. there's no arc to this. Right. The whole arc is meet Maverick. Uh, and they kind of like teach you about his father and all this stuff that doesn't interest me that much. I'm sorry. And this new one is structured very similarly. Okay. But instead of it being Top Gun Flight School, let's learn to fly planes real good. It's... Uh, <laughs> I, there's a mission. There's a mission that can only be completed by flying planes better than anyone has ever flied planes before in in, in history of the world. Okay. Uh, and Maverick, you're like our best guy because uh-huh. uh, you've been off flying experimental tech planes. Okay. For for like the last the last thirty years. Sounds fun to uh, me. So like he trains a class of already Top Gun graduates to be like the best pilots ever to take on this one mission. That does have and more so, fun. And so each training exercise is also something that then they have to nail perfectly in the final action scene to succeed in the whole plot so it kind of makes it kind of gives the whole thing kind of a heist movie energy of like can they complete the the mission can they follow the plan and uh, it's much more exciting to watch and also you have the runner of uh, miles teller playing goose's son rooster no man i was so sold on the movie until you told me that his name was Rooster. rooster yeah like from annie rooster Tried to sign up for the Navy, you know, back when he was 18. Oh, no. Maverick pulled his application. Because <gasps> he didn't want to see the kid die. That's beautiful, actually. Right. I, wow. Apparently, Malios Teller is, like, going really viral on TikTok because people realize that he's hot or something. Well, everyone, there's an, everyone's in really great shape for a, yeah. a, a shirtless beach sports scene. Of course, yeah. Is, is Glenn Powell in the movie? Yeah, he looks great. Okay, because I He's thought, really good in the movie. He's, he's fantastic. Good. He's really good. My parents also thought this movie was like the best movie ever, and so I really had no interest. It's in gonna it, be big but... for our parents, but I think anyone could watch this movie and and come away really excited about it. Okay, cool. Oh, you know what? Maybe Jennifer I'll go. Connelly's great. In okay, it. here's the thing: Jennifer Connelly's also in a beautiful mind, and Jennifer Connelly. Great. I had this very when I, my parents and she's in she's in um a, a Snowpiercer. She that is. Watches. So a lot Gosh. of Jennifer Connelly for you. I love Jennifer Connelly. I think Jennifer Connelly is the most beautiful woman ever. She gets better with age too. She's so like graceful. she's very pretty in the Rocketeer where she's like twenty. Yeah, but uh, she's incredible in Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> she's literally just a beautiful swan like person. Yeah, she seems so and a good lovely. actress. She's yeah. a great actress. I love her. So I might go see Top Gun now. You know, after... who, you know who she's married to. Yes, and I know. Can I? Did I not tell you this whole story? No. Did they meet on on that movie? Do you, can I tell you the story? Yeah, sure. Tell me. Okay, the story. this is my favorite story ever. Okay. Okay. So, Paul Bettany and Jennifer Connelly were in A Beautiful Mind together, but they didn't really have any scenes together. They might have had like one or two. Right. Well, because he's not real. He's not real, so she never talks to him. Mm-hmm. So he might be in like the background of some scenes she's in, but like they didn't interact. Anyway, nine eleven happens. Paul Bettany is in Italy. He I think is, I do know this story. He's, I'm going to tell it anyway. He sees a bunch of people like gathered at a bar, and he thinks it's a soccer game or something, but no, Twin Towers, whatever. He sees the Twin Towers. He sees a plane going to the oh, Twin Towers. Right. And he's like, oh my God, Jennifer Connelly Je- lives in New York? <laughs> no, no, no. He's like, I need to... He's not even like, oh my God, I'm concerned about Jennifer Connelly. He's like, seeing the planes hit the Twin Towers made me realize that I am in love with that actress that I was on A Beautiful Mind with 
who I never dated. He goes back to New York. He proposes to her. They're married, John. That's pretty amazing that she was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were both down for it. But they never, they weren't dating. She had a kid with somebody else. I think that they like broke up before he like came and professed his love. But can you just imagine how weird that would be if Jennifer Connelly, who you were friends with, called you up and was like, so I'm married to Paul Bettany? <laughs> That guy who was... That's pretty wild. Yeah. Anyway, it's my favorite story ever. So I'm happy we could tell it on the podcast. <laughs> I just think it's the coolest thing. Right. And then, you know, he was the voice of Iron Man suit and she was the voice of Spider-Man suit. It's beautiful. That's love. <laughs> that is the best. Lo- they, can, they can't get divorced. They can't. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. That is the one celebrity divorce I think I'd be like genuinely very upset That's about. That's the one? That's the one that would And Ryan me. Reynolds and Blake Lively. Yeah. I like Krasinski and Blunt. Oh, yeah, they're good, too. Sorry, you know, the, without have, your first uh, Some people have big issues with John Krasinski. And, why? Know. He seems great. Right, I think that's why people don't like him. Oh, yes. He's a, he's a nice, rich, successful, handsome man. That must be so hard. He's never done anything bad. That's my thing, right? Yeah, they're and cute. If, if you can be mad at him for anything, it's always unintentional. Yeah, very strange. I don't even think he's really had any, like... Oh, what a problematic tweet. No, no. People, people, anyone who doesn't like him feels like they're digging usually yeah. for something. Same with her. She's great. No, I love her. Yeah. yeah. She's the best. So, John, uh, I'll see you in two weeks. Right. In the meantime, you can find us on the Instagram, the Riverdale mm-hmm. Register podcast, and you can find Caitlin. On Twitter at Riley Tweets, R-E-I-L-O-Y Tweets. Talk to you guys soon. Over and out, River Vixens. <laughs>